The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We are running through our rankings series. We have done all the cam talking we are going to do, I think, for the foreseeable future. Uh, if you want, you can go and check out uh, a lengthy article. I actually wrote something for the first time. I, I mean, it's you know, I, I remember when, like, you would hear people like, oh, like, I'm going to podcast. I don't have time to write. It's like, well, that's pathetic. And now I now I do the same thing. I don't write much. Uh, but I wrote... Uh, a long article about Cam Newton had a bunch of stuff I had to wanted to write about Cam and how he'll be uh, with the Patriots. So check that out while you're uh, while you're clicking around. Go to uh, go to Twitter at Pick Six Pod and somewhere on there, or you can go, I'll have it on my my Twitter account at Will Brinson, and we have a link to our YouTube page. It's just a specific YouTube page for the Pick Six Podcast. You can watch every podcast. So apparently, I'm going to have to stop wearing the same shirt three days in a row. Because people will notice that based on the timing of when those things are posted. Uh, the next couple of days and weeks, we'll be doing rankings. It's off-season content. And to rank some running backs, got Patrick Walker, the man with no C in his first name. No C. Voice of the star on Twitter. What's going on, buddy? Doing great, Will. How's it going, sir? I'm doing awesome, man. Uh, we also have top 10 quarterbacks with Sean Wagner McGuff. In the feed, that was not that controversial. And then uh, top 10 offensive linemen, both tackles and interior uh, uh, blockers with uh, Sully. Sully from Boston. I don't know Sully. why. I can't, I, can't, I can't not say his name and not do the accent, Patrick. I don't know. Get in why. the car. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just want Everybody to in the now. car. <laughs> Get in the car. Love you, Sully. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, two weeks. Next two weeks. We're also going to do uh, coaches and front offices. Sean Wagner McGuff getting crucified on Twitter right now by, uh, for his coaching list. He had, uh, Sean McVay over Doug Peterson and Eagles fans are hashtag big mad. Mm, much like they were, uh, at me for my defensive back rankings, but mm, you, know, you got, I, yeah, you got blistered for defensive back rankings. I said what I said and that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you and Sully both had, you had Marshawn Lattimore come at you. And, well, uh, uh, Laddie didn't necessarily come at me as much as he hit me with the lowercase LOL, which was fine. Um, oh, but yeah, that's not that bad. Plus, at the end of the day, if you're still ranked in the top ten, you know. Yeah, that's what I don't get. Like, it's not exactly at, an insult. <laughs> like Cameron Jordan came at Ryan Wilson. He's like, "Oh, are you serious, bro?" It's like, "Well, I mean, are you?" Are you Listen, are you I had it, 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 like, it got it got so out of hand. I had Will Parker, uh, <laughs> Will Parker, uh, the safety for the Eagles. That child, oh, right, right, right. like, yeah, oh. it was like, "Oh, word, is that what we're doing?" Uh, Will, that that's exactly what we're doing, sir. Having not ever finished a full season and never <laughs> sniffed a pro, but get it's out like of maybe here, maybe Will Parker shouldn't be the one criticizing. Yeah, yeah. Of all, <laughs> yeah. Let's Will Parker. Let's just sit this one out. Let's just hey, sit uh, this one out. <laughs> uh, Debo. Um, Oh, Will Parks. That's how Parks. Fantasy. There you go. Hey, yeah, look, yeah, yeah. there you go. Parks, Parker, exactly. um, tomato, I, tomato. <laughs> uh, Debo, what, um, what did you think about, uh, Doug Peterson below Sean McVay? I mean, rightfully so. Sean is getting crushed. I, I know Eagles fans, they do the two matchups head to head and the fact that the Eagles have won a Super Bowl and Pete <laughs> Bill Belichick and Sean McVay was clearly outcoached by Bill Belichick. While in Super Bowl 52, Peterson outcoached Belichick. So I, I get it in that sense. If it's entering 2020, it's, it's probably closer. But if you're weighing the past, it's got to be Peterson. Yeah, that's what I don't get. Sean's like, it's for 2020. And he's like, of course, I'm taking the full body of work. And he, he just points to winning percentage. I don't know. I, I would. I think you go Peterson there. I think you have to go. Like, you just have to give the nod to the. Also, I was, I was. I thought it was ridiculous that Frank, Frank Reich, I guess his record isn't that great, but like, I think Frank Reich should be in the top 10 personally. Um, you know, it was interesting when Pete Prisco, we were texting about this and he was like, Mike McCarthy should be in the top 10. 
And I think he might have a case if it's 420-20. I was going to say. Um, like, I was like, well, Pete, he just got fired. So. He got fired. He had a year off. Like, Right. So his last two seasons in the NFL yeah. include one not in the NFL. So kind of hard. Well, but that's the dangerous thing about these rankings, Patrick, is that you are inherent. Like, I think they were all 420-20. So, like, you could say whatever the hell you want. Like, you could be like, you could be like, Deshaun Watson's the number one quarterback. And people will be like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You're like, well, it's a projection. And if I'm wrong, come back at me in a year, you know? Right, like, right. And so that should, that should have been everybody's argument. It's like, this is for 2020. Leave me alone. I'm muting you all. Right. And, and you know, and uh, another thing about it is people see top 10. And if the name is not in the top 10, they're assuming you're saying that person is the 1,000th ranked person at the position. And that may not be the case. You look at my safety rankings, for example, my top 10 safety rankings. Eddie Jackson was number 11. So if you're number right. eleven, guess what? You're not going to be on that on our HQ on graphic list. Right. Exactly. So suddenly, I was saying, or I was implying, as Bears fan would have you believe, that Eddie Jackson was trash. That's that's far from the truth. Right. He just fell out of the top ten, right at number eleven. So, uh, like Von I wrote Miller, in the article, it's not a top eleven or twelve. It was a top ten. Von Miller <laughs> was top ten, eleventh edge rusher for Ryan Wilson. And the guys who run the HQ account are like, at Von Miller, where are you at all the time? It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, what, right. <laughs> Why would you poke Von that Miller? bear? <laughs> Why would you poke <laughs> that bear? Like, yeah, I know. let, let yeah. that bear stay hibernated. Like, come on. <laughs> just, if he but finds it, gets... it, he finds it. He doesn't need to know about it. Right. Uh, now, having said that, I am going to blast your list because you have Dalvin Cook 10th. My guy, Dalvin Cook. Hey, I have him 10th for a reason. Why do you have him 10th? What has he done outside of 2019? Well, but is this for 2020? All right, so the criteria is – Now, keep in mind, because as yeah. you know – This is you've important. Gone, it's important right, you, 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 you've gone through all of our lists, and the criteria is a, is a sliding scale depending on who the author is. So my criteria for these running backs – That's a problem, by the way. It, 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 agreed, because it, that's it not, creates That's not your problem. That's just a problem. Right. But for my ranking for the, for the running backs, you're not only – you're not purely looking at 2020, but you are okay. taking into account the potential of what they can do in 2020, be it in their current system or their new system, like someone like Todd Gurley, for example. Uh, but you're also looking at the body of work. So with me, I'm including and weighing the body of work. And when it comes to weighing the body of work, I love what Dalvin Cook did in 2019. Career best season, he showed that he is a top three, top four, I'll say, running back in the NFL based solely off 2019. But when you look at 2018 and you look at 2017 and you start weighing that against some of the other guys that were ranked ahead of him, what does Dalvin Cook have that he can weigh up against someone else's resume? Not much. He has injuries that have derailed, almost derailed. He's only played. He's only played twenty eight. Uh, twenty eight games in his career. There you go. Now, to his credit, to his credit, when he's on the field, there's there are a few that are better. Period. He is the the transmission for what the Vikings offense needs to do going forward and what they did in twenty nineteen. Um, but. You look at someone like Todd Gurley. Yeah, Doc, Todd Gurley is coming off of a, a downturn. Todd um, Gurley on your list is ninth, by the way. He is ninth. Um, and, and that's like if I, so if I'm doing 2020, I'm taking Dalvin Cook over Todd Gurley all day. Right. But I, but I understand your point on, on Cook. And I do think that with Cook as well, it's like, are you really asking for a new contract? And that, that I have a problem with that as well. And, and let me, let me be clear in that I don't have a problem with any player asking for more money if they deserve those you know that payout um i'm i'm player over team 10 out of 10 times but it's also within reason uh and dalvin cook you know he wants there was a a report out a couple weeks ago that he wanted a deal that was equal or greater than christian mccaffrey who is the highest paid running back in nfl history for good reason uh and then again you look at dalvin cook and you say well what are you basing this off of dalvin are you basing this simply off of your potential or your body of work and your potential because you don't really have a body of work outside of 2019. It's just, it's not too early for him to ask for an extension in my opinion, but it is far too early for him to start, you know, trying to get around Ezekiel Elliott numbers as far as contractual wise, uh, Christian McCaffrey, or ultimately what Saquon Barkley is going to end up getting, I think as early as 2021. So Dalvin Cook talent wise could be higher on this list but he hasn't done enough. 
mm. to warrant me sliding him upwards from 10. Now, it was a close call even putting him at 10, but, you know, because I I had the Alvin Kamara stands coming at me and saying, well. You don't have well, Alvin Kamara on this list? I don't have Alvin what Kamara on this list. What Kamara, what? You know what? Kamara, remember we were talking about it's not a, it's not a top 11? Kamara was 11th. And Kamara got bumped for your guy, for Cook. Kamara mm. got belt for cook, so you can't have it both ways on my list, I'm, Will Brinson. Which look, would you have, Kamara hey, or Cook? Look, look, I'll, I'll say this: when you do the list, you're the one doing the work. So anyone coming at you is <laughs> like somebody, like I said, like I don't write crap anymore. Like I didn't do a top, I didn't do any of these top tens. So like when I'm I'm bitching about them on this podcast, I'm doing it in a way that's like like purely like critical in an audio fashion. Like I'm not even putting the legwork to create my own top 10 together. I'm just criticizing yours, but, but I, I mean, I'm out, I'm out on cook and, uh, and I would take off Gurley, Leonard Fournette, who's eight and Chris Carson seven for Kamara and cook. In a no. and Chris Here, here's awesome. why, here's For why Kamara did not make the list. Okay. It's not because it was like cook Kamara. If we're basing this purely on talent and potential, Absolutely top 10, arguably top five on talent and potential alone. Here's my problem with Kamara, Sean Payton's offense. Mm. And, and it's not that so you're, but what about, what about Sean McVay's offense? Well, here's my, here's, what about here's my, where, here's where it splits, where it comes. If you're talking about Sean McVay versus Sean Payton, which basically you're comparing uh, Gurley to Kamara. Gurley, even in McVay's offense, 2019 notwithstanding, was a bell cow back, right? He was tasked with doing it all for more than one season, which is why he was able to build the resume that he built. Kamara has not been asked to do that. He's always been asked to split duties. First, he was asked to split duties with Mark Ingram. Now he's asked to split duties with Latavius Murray. At no point, although Kamara, I believe, can be a, a dual threat running back who can carry the load as a bell cow. He's simply not been asked to do that. So because he's not been asked to do that, you look at his his numbers and the resume plus the numbers don't add up to what someone like Todd Gurley has been able to do. Look at, we're talking about Dalvin Cook in 2019. Dalvin Cook, I believe his 2019 numbers, those are numbers that can be achieved by Kamara if Peyton were to ever grant Kamara that type of uh, workload. But I don't see that that's going to happen. They had a chance to do so by not bringing in a guy like Murray. By losing Ingram, they could have said, you know what, Kamara, you're that guy. You're the number one guy. We're going to, we're going to Zeke you. We're going to Saquon you. We're going to Christian McCaffrey you. You know, we're going to Dalvin Cook you, but they didn't. They said, we're going to bring in another guy who's going to be supposedly the heavy punch for your, you know, the thunder for your lightning. And because they continue to use him as the lightning and not the one-two combo, that's why Kamara can't break into this list for me. Even Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette has shown that he can be a receiver out of the backfield, obviously not necessarily as dynamic as a Cook or Kamara, but he's been granted the leeway to do so. So for me, Kamara is 11 on a top 10 list, but not because of him. It's because Sean Payton simply won't put the bell around his neck. I need to see where um, Kamara is going in uh, in fantasy drafts because I think that Kamara and I'll grant you this he didn't have as good a year last year he only had thir- only had thirteen thirty yards from scrimmage he never had more than nine hundred rushing yards so as a pure exactly runner, he's like, never he have never come close runner. to a thousand yards so to speak all right so Kamara's Kamara's uh, fifth on Heath Cummings list and fourth uh, on 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 Dave and Jamie's top 200. All right. So Kamara's not falling or anything like that. I was just, he only had six touchdowns last year. He was hurt. Like he had an ankle injury. Right. I do think that, that, I, and I've said this, I can't remember what I said it. I don't know, I don't know where I said it, but I, I think that maybe it was on the quarterback talking about like Breeze. I could see a situation where the Saints lean on Kamara more this year than they ever have before, assuming, of course, that he stays healthy because Drew Brees is a year older and because they want to save him for later in the year. I think Sean Payton knows that by Drew Brees getting hurt, he was in better shape down the road. Uh, I'm putting Kamara on my top ten list I, all I day long. I don't, I don't, know, I don't even I don't even know that I'm subscribing to that as far as the time, uh, you know, father time hovering over Drew Brees because guess who they went and got? This offseason, Emmanuel Sanders. Is this a team that has made offseason moves that indicate they're going to lean more heavily on their halfbacks? Yeah, like, no, they're they're going to get – and you've seen what happened when you don't get Michael Thomas the ball, okay? So you're going to get Michael Thomas his targets. Now you're going to get Emmanuel Sanders his targets. You have a dynamic tight end who should be healthy – 
this year. And going back to the fact that, again, they're going to force Kamara to split duty with Murray. So no matter how you slice it, I don't believe Sean Payton is going to ever fully unleash Kamara. Mm. And until I see an unleashed Kamara in New Orleans, it's, I'm going to have a hard time putting mm. him above someone, anyone on this list, who has, in fact, been unleashed by their respective team. All right. And, okay. and produced. Randomly, I think it's amazing that, that Alvin Kamara in three years as a professional football player has exactly 81 receptions every single year. That's really weird. Like that's a bizarre, yeah. like, that's yeah, a that's, weird number. That's to some hit cosmic in intervention type stuff. There. Right. Like, what's uh, numerology? He wasn't a full time player as a rookie coming out because they had Adrian Peterson. Uh, yeah, so what's then, the numerology there? Eighty one, eight plus one, nine is a, an infinite number. Infinite number. See, yeah, cosmic stuff right there. All right, now, now here's what I have to ask. So, like, I have a soft spot in my heart for Todd Gurley because he's a North Carolina guy. You also. Allegedly. Do you have a soft spot in your hot for Todd, for Todd Gurley? Is that allegedly? <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. In North wink, wink. You spent time in North Carolina. Well, I have, but Todd Gurley, obviously, you know, that, that's a, that's a Georgia boy. And, uh, um, oh, all right, all right, fine, fine. You know, that, that's my, that's my fellow bully. I've well. talked to, I've talked to Todd Gurley about North Carolina. He doesn't want to talk about it. So maybe I should stop doing it. You know what he wants to talk about though? Georgia. Yeah, Ha-ha. Um, about Georgia, he will talk about it. I'm like, but, I'm like, hey, what and, and I know, and I know some, and I had some friends that, that saw this list and, you know, they said, Oh, well, you're being a Georgia homer because I put Gurley and Chubb on the list. And I don't even, Feel that we'll Chubb is, in a minute, but yeah, well, that, that should not even be debatable. Uh, but when it comes to Todd Gurley, you're looking at his body of work. You're looking at it. Let's look at the narrative, for example. So the narrative on Todd Gurley is that so, supposedly he's washed. He has reportedly arthritis in his knee. We've never seen anything substantial. Oh yeah, actually, no. I want to ask you about this because you right, wrote right. that you said that you think you wrote this, and I, I don't know. I like I'm not I'm not trying to imply anything based on what you wrote. So I'm asking you instead about it. Like you said, you think that what happened last year with the Rams and Gurley is more about. Didn't I read this right? A split between McVay, yep. a rift between McVay and Gurley, yep. and not Gurley's knee. Is that is that what you're saying? That that is what I'm saying. Uh, I've had conversations, uh, you know, and with those that have knowledge of the situation. And every time I've had these conversations, I'm completely steered away from any insinuation that there's anything wrong with Todd Gurley's knee. Uh, you think Todd you, Gurley is completely healthy? I think he's as healthy as he needs to be to be, to be a pro bowler. Okay. So what, okay. All right. Okay. This is, this is interesting. What do you expect from him in Atlanta, in Georgia? In Atlanta, no, we're, now we're here. going back to what we talked about with Alvin Kamara and how he wasn't unleashed and how, you know, he wasn't that bell cow back. Todd Gurley has in fact been that bell cow back and produced and proven at a high level that he can be that guy, which is why he's, on the list, and Kamara's not. He was going into, the best player in football in 2007. Yeah, exactly. Going into Atlanta, I think that the Falcons, their setup, their current offensive setup, is one that is going to require Todd Gurley to return to prime form, to all pro form. And I believe that he's healthy enough to do just that. So he's not only healthy enough to do that and have a resurgent year, but he's going into a system that's going to require that he do so. Obviously, you're looking at a team uh, in Atlanta that shifted out a previously highly paid running back and they're bringing in another, but they're only bringing him in on a one year deal because they want him to prove it. Todd Gurley has the added incentive of being home and wanting to prove on his home dirt in Georgia that he's not this, you know, bum wheeled running back who the Rams were right to give up on too early in the contract. Uh, and then you saw on the back end of that, after the, after the divorce, after they released him, you saw some of the, um, what I'm implying or straight out saying as far as the rift between Sean McVay and Todd Gurley, just look at how Gurley approached the organization when he felt like his direct deposit wasn't on time. Like it was that, you know, was that, that, it was a little little surprising, honestly, because he's a quiet reserved guy, which means at a certain point thing, the cup runneth over. And and that's pretty much what I'm, I'm getting at here. Todd Gurley was not happy with the Rams in 2019, and it showed because there was more than one occasion. They gave him too much money. That was the yeah, problem. They gave him well, too much guaranteed money. Is well, that that's another conversation because running back. By the way, by the way our, our colleague, John Breach, <laughs> has reported, and I know I, I'm not going to uh, – I don't want to – I know that John Breach got this from a, a very well-placed source, uh, that Todd Gurley's – knee was a problem. Now, it wasn't a well-placed, it was a well-placed source with, with the league and I believe the team side, not the player side. So that, you know, that's always something. From the non, from the non-team side, I'm told that 
that was a non-issue, but it was a non-issue in the aspect of what Todd Gurley could do on the field. Now, it was an issue in the aspect of Todd Gurley felt that it was a non-issue. However, the Rams felt that it was an issue, and that's what led to Sean McVay scaling back the utilization of Todd Gurley, which then led to a rift between the two sides because Gurley wanted to play more so that he could reestablish himself as the as a premier back, Sean McVay saying, yeah, maybe we should scale back your workload. And things began to escalate to the point where ultimately they divorced by way of release. And now Todd Gurley is saying things like, hey, you're late on my payment. Where's my money? Things that you would have never thought uh, a reserved you know, personality like Todd Gurley would say. But the fact that he's saying that when you see smoke, there's fire. Okay. There was definitely fire on the way out. But when it I, comes to Gurley. I'll still take Alvin Cook. But, and Alvin Kamara. But, it's your list. Uh, Leonard Fournette <laughs> ahead of Gurley. Fournette, I think, is would be well because because of the the back end of of Gurley's career with exactly. the Rams. So because of the 2019 with the Rams, which I believe is more attributable to McVay than Gurley necessarily. But again, you have to you have to weigh these things evenly. And if I'm going to weigh it like that uh, for someone like Kamara then I have to weigh it like that for Gurley as well, which is why Fournette is ahead of Gurley because Fournette on a very, very bad Jaguars team was still putting up numbers. Fournette actually, you know, he got he got crap for his – I mean, it felt like people were like, eh, Fournette, last year, but he had his best year of his career last exactly. year. Exactly. Quiet as it's kept. Yards. Quiet as it's 24. kept. Quiet as it's kept. So, and that's why I, I would have been remiss. Quiet as it's kept a Southern saying? Is that – It is. Okay. B-Mac says that too. I think it is a southern thing. It's one of it our is, right? it's one of our colloquialisms. Yeah. We've talked yeah. about that before, yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of our things. But feel free to you know. I mean, you're, I'm, you're I'm in the southern. south. You're in North Carolina. Well, hybrid south. You're south I'm, enough. I'm, I'm just you're, I guess I'm you're, in North Carolina. I'm yeah, you're, you're south enough. <laughs> yeah, south enough. Um, shout out to the triangle. I love the triangle. <laughs> shout out, shout out, triangle. Uh, yeah. So Fernet at eight, Carson at seven. Uh, the Carson thing, I would say. Ooh, I know that bothered some folks. Yeah, I mean, Chris Carson. And I don't care. <laughs> it's not the – I mean, look, he has he has two great seasons back-to-back. He's a little dinged up coming into 2020. Um, and it sounds like they you know, they drafted um, DJ Dallas in the fourth round. They just signed Carlos Hyde. They have Rashad Penny, but it doesn't sound like Rashad Penny, based on what, you know, sort of the, the vibe around the team, Rashad Penny probably not going to see a ton of carries this year. Right. It does feel like they're going to wear down Carson and just let him in his contract year, just run him into the ground. So it may be the way that the Jaguars will with Fournette. And you know what? That's a valid point. And and to that point, if that is to happen, then guess what? You just gave me more reason to put Carson on the list when it comes to potential for 2020. Because Because like, (laughs) if you're talking about how they'll look in 2020 and Carson and Fournette are going to get tons of carries, in theory, they would be the guys and you would actually look correct if they have more productive years. Exactly. Now you also want to factor in, I I think uh, for Carson, for a guy like Carson, you look at some of the other names on this list and, you know, he's the, the one that stands out as an unheralded name. And I think it's because he's standing in the shadow of several shadows. You got uh, Russell Wilson, which casts a huge shadow. You got the passing offense. You got, uh, you know, Metcalf and you got Lockett and, and what that offense can do as far as stretching the field. But you look at Carson and his production. This is, you know, a thousand yard rusher more than one time in his, his career, despite battling injury here and there. And had he not gotten injured on the back end of 2019, I think we're talking about a different Seahawks uh, postseason. Um, so I think Carson is very, very valuable to the team. I think those names that you talk about, them, being, them bringing in Carlos Hyde, obviously, in free agency, uh, the rookie they drafted, those are guys that are – I think it's a combination of looking for help for Carson because I don't think Rashad Penny is going to be consistently looked upon to be that help, that number two guy. Uh, in, in conjunction with another great point, I think that they are, in fact, going to try to run the wheels off of Carson. But, again, if they do that, that only furthers my point because the more touches he gets, the higher those numbers are going to go for 2020. So all the more reason to put him on this list. I, I don't mind I don't mind Carson being on here. I guess I don't mind Fournette. I, would, I, think, I think that if you took – I, if this were my list on the back end, I don't really, and I don't have a problem with the top six either. And I would change the order personally, but I don't have a, t- I don't have an issue with the top six. Um, for my seven, eight, nine, ten, I would bump Carson, Fournette, and Gurley down. Gurley would be off. I guess I would go. I would move. I would. I would. 
Eh, I don't know if I'd take Gurley or Fernetto. I would take one of those two guys off and put Kamara on and move Cook up to like seven. But see, there's the rub because I wouldn't take Gurley or Fernetto off. But if you were to I select say, one, there's of the them, rub. It's but, much less. <laughs> no, but, but if you were to select one of those to come off, this is where it gets challenging because which do you select? We're talking about a Gurley who has a, a, a better resume and is in a better situation for 2020 production than Fournette. However, you're talking about Fournette who's coming off of a career season on a terrible Jaguars team that yeah. had a carousel at quarterback. They went from Nick Foles to Minshew and then back to Foles, and now Foles is gone, and how he got he's got to re acclimate to Minshew who by the way they may or may not have a great relationship considering he wanted to sign Cam Newton and was very vocal about that so you know who do you remove if you're going to choose between Fournette and Gurley I for one chose not to remove either so good luck with it (laughs) again the the rub is that it's not my list (laughs) I mean I'm not going to agree with you I think I think I don't think the list stinks I think I think I think it's a good list but I I, I disagree subjectivity it is. It is a subjective list. Seven, seven um, through ten was challenging. Um, seven through ten is a lot tougher than one through six. Right. Although, yeah, one through three is easy. Um, one through four, not difficult. One through five, I mean, that that's not much more difficult either. Um, six, you know, could I have made a case for Dalvin Cook to go as high as six instead of mixing based simply off of 2019? Oh, let's yeah. not spoil who the top six are. All right, we'll, yeah. let's do it. we'll take a quick break. and we come back, we'll do the top six. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Technically, we're going to do top five after the break, but I think that Joe Mixon, who's number six, I don't know how high Mixon could go on this list. And Mixon wants to get paid, too. There's a possibility he's going to hold out. Again, I don't think that's a great idea. Uh, Mixon fell to the second round because of some – I don't know if we're – I don't want to – well, I don't want – I think – I feel like – verified video of him punching a woman in the face like that like it's almost like we shouldn't even qualify that as issues like it like he's 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 been a model citizen since he got to the nfl so he's sort of getting a free pass on it um and i'm not i'm not trying to stir it up now like i think mix is a great player but like that should weigh a little bit in in the in the discussion of like are we going to give this guy money like it was only three years ago i think it from a team aspect, if you're a general manager, you put everything on the table because, as we both know, teams are looking to discount or find ways yeah. to discount contracts as, as you know as much as they can. So that's going to be on the table. But to his credit, like you said, he's been a model citizen. So at some point, uh, you start to ask yourself or you start to ask the team, what's the statute of limitations on my last mistake? Because <laughs> if that was three years ago, uh, yeah. you know, are we still talking about that? And if you're still bringing that up, that makes me wonder, do you do you want me here? Right. Um, so you re- you got to be careful with that from a GM standpoint because you start alienating the player that you're trying to keep. Uh, for the last four weeks of the season, finally, Zach Taylor decided, I guess it's the last four games of Joe Mixon season. Um, I think it's the last four weeks of the year. I'm not entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but close enough. Anyway, Joe Mixon had uh, 95 carries, 494 yards. That's 5.2 yards per attempt. Uh, three rushing touchdowns. And nine catches for 97 yards. He was averaging 124 yards per game, uh, down the stretch and 24 carries per game. The Bengals finally leaned on him. Patrick, I think that they're, I think that if you were looking at, so at six, you have Mixon and five, you have Chubb, the two AFC North running backs. I think that one of those two guys could very well end up in the top two or top three next year when this list is done. Like I think, I think Nick Chubb, 
And I, Mixon, people sort of talk about, but not really. They're getting Jonah Williams back. Joe Burrow's an upgrade. They're, they're, but they're going to lean on the run game, in my opinion, with Burrow there because you don't want to put it all in a rookie quarterback if you can help it. They would love to run the ball effectively, I think. And they learn that Mixon can be a bell cow. If he is in camp, and they don't have to go to Gio Bernard. And I don't think they will. Again, Mixon has to report or else he loses a year. Uh, we, we, you know, he's not going to do that considering he's a, you know, he's a second round pick. So he doesn't have a fifth year option. Um, I, I really think Mixon and or Chubb could lead the league in rushing this year pretty easily. Here's, I don't disagree with that. Um, I think when it comes to, their placement on the list come 2021. The reason I have a, a difficult time seeing them crack into the top two or three is because you'd have to look at it from a macro standpoint. Now, if you're talking about the top two or three, now you're talking about, you know, not simply rushing yards, but you're also talking about, you know, yards from scrimmage. Yeah. Um, you're talking about touchdowns from scrimmage. You're talking about what is their value ultimately to the team in 2020. Now you make great points. When it comes to Cincinnati, you know, the romantic side of the fan base would love to believe that Joe Burrow was going to go out there and throw for 5,000 yards and, and 50 touchdowns. But that's just simply not going to happen. The reality is there's going to be a learning curve, and, you know, he's going to have to, you know, uh, absorb that. So you're going to lean on, on mixing again. And I, I noted that in the ranking. Um, Nick Chubb, when it comes to the Browns, Cleveland, which Baker Mayfield are you going to see on the field? Sure come 2020 are you going to see the guy who was lighting up the scoreboard and and you know a highlight reel uh as a rookie or are you going to see the one that regressed under freddie kitchens and was it solely because of freddie kitchens and frustrations that then came you know out of that but until you figure it out guess what you're going to lean on nick chubb who has been an absolute animal i mean the guy was almost a thousand yard rusher when he had to split duties yeah so um but when you look at those ahead of them I think the only one that they could really jump ahead of is Derrick Henry. Um, and I, I, I say that because I wonder if the Titans are going to try to force the offense more on Tanny now that they've given him that contract. Um, as opposed to going to what worked for them in 2019, which was to just play it week by week, ear by ear. Maybe Tanny is on this week and you let him take over the game. But if not, you, you're totally fine with him passing for only 150 yards if Derrick Henry gets 250 yards and four, four rushing touchdowns. Uh, look at what he did, he being Derrick Henry in the playoffs. That was all Derrick Henry. Yeah. That was all Derrick Henry in New England. That was all Derrick Henry in Baltimore. Um, now if that Derrick Henry is allowed to, you know, play his brand of football. And that also includes them utilizing him as a receiver as well, which is what they did more so of in 2019. Even that's going to be a challenge for someone like Chubb and Mixon to leapfrog. But I do think it's possible if the Titans lean more on Tannehill simply because of the contract and the Browns and the Bengals do what I believe you and I are predicting, which is they're both, the both of those teams are going to lean heavily on Mixon and Chubb respectively. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I would, if I were changing my top six, I would probably slide Henry down to six and move Chubb and mix it up. But like, Derrick Henry's a monster. And you're monster. Right, he, he dragged that team into the playoffs. He dragged them to the <laughs> AFC championship game and he was just ripping through dudes and he only got, he, the thing about Henry, I think there are probably, I'm guessing, I don't know, Adrian Peterson is one of them. Henry's the other. It's like, if, if you were like, Hey, listen, this guy carried the ball 450 times last year and, and it's like, do you think, like, if I'm picking guys that I wouldn't want to bet against, shrugging off huge carry numbers and coming back and having a big year, Derrick Henry's one of them because he's just, he's built like a freak. He's a, he, I mean, he's, he's, he's a refrigerator with a jet pack on his back. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, and, and you, you I hope you included that in your, in your write up. I, I should have. <laughs> but you know, of the jetpack. It's a great freestyle freestyle. Uh, yeah. But when it comes to Derrick Henry, people keep waiting for him to wear down, but he keeps he gaining momentum as the season yeah. goes on. Um, so for me, the reason I have him at number four, obviously not simply because he had a career year, because it's, it's easy to say, well, the guy had a career year, you know, let's put him in the top five. Look at what he did in the career year. Look at what he did in the postseason when his offense could not pass the ball and defenses knew they were going to run and they still could not stop him. And we're not just talking about, you know, average teams. We're talking about Super Bowl winning guys, Bill Belichick. We're talking about John Harbaugh. We're talking about a guy, uh, an all pro, 
many times over, Earl Thomas, who basically dared <laughs> the Titans to run Derrick Henry. And guess what happened? He ended up with a face full of stiff arm <laughs> from that same guy who now has us questioning, well, is Earl Thomas on his way out in the next couple of years or so. So for me, Derrick Henry, top five back until further notice. Is he a lock for top five 2021? I wouldn't say he's a lock because of Chubb and Mixon and, you know, guys like that. Um, not nearly as much as I said the top three. I, I just think until further notice, the top three are the top three. Uh, Derrick Henry's postseason would have been the 30, uh, 39th highest rushing total in the NFL. It's ridiculous. It's like three games. I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Still, and yeah, he did it on the road. Yeah, yeah, Both uh, all road. Yeah, it, it took. I mean, James Conner had 464 rushing yards last season. Derrick Henry had 446 in the postseason. It's and, then, and then some will say, "Oh well, he didn't do it in in the AFC Championship." Ah, okay, so he got stopped by the team who went on to win the Super Bowl. Got it. He got stopped by the Chiefs. Well, and got it. Chasing the Chiefs with a running back. right. Got it's, it. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> not going to work out. Yeah, I like. I I don't know that I would say that um, Chubb and Nixon could. I think Chubb could be number one on the list next year. That's how strongly I feel about Nick Chubb. I think he's, I think he's, I think he has a case to be the best running back in football. If Kevin Stefanski's offense works and if, you know, that play action gets going, they bring in Jack Conklin and all of a sudden you got it, you got a really good rushing attack. Um, the, th- the three guys that you, the guys you have at one, two and three though, uh, right now to me, maybe I would put Chubb up there, but I, I understand why people would not do it. Too so, too so. Uh, def- definitely has the ability and, and I'd say that both, Objectively, um, and subjectively, right? Yeah. That's another one of my dogs. Um, but I've seen, I've seen Chubb. He's a dog. Yeah. I, right. I've seen Chubb. RBU. I've seen Chubb in his, you know, collegiate years in Athens. So I know what he can do. I've now seen him unleashed in Cleveland. So now the NFL sees what he can do from a talent based standpoint. There is nothing, um, that makes it arguable that he can be up there with Christian McCaffrey uh, as the top back in the league. But again, it just, it goes to what are we going to see from Stefanski's offense in Cleveland? Um, this is a guy in Chubb who put up monster numbers under Freddie Kitchens and Kitchens didn't know what the hell he was doing. No, he terrible. just didn't know what he, what he was doing. Reminder, and, and reminder by the way, that uh, Sean Wagner McGuff picked him to be coach of the year before the, uh, ouch. <laughs> Freezing cold take. Cold <laughs> yeah. takes exposed. Fire up. Um, you know, Chubb, they, they didn't use, they only gave him 76 carries in the final five games of the season. I don't know if that was, uh, I have to, I don't know if that was more Kareem Hunt. Was it was by design to sort of ease Chubb. Chubb only had one game, or excuse me, uh, two games where he had more than 21 carries. Uh, he had 27 against Pittsburgh in a, in a, in a 21 to 7 win. And he had 23 against the Rams in a loss. He only had 20 carries in that Baltimore game rate, 165 yards. Like they were sort of careful about how they use him. And I, and I well, right. I, I guess I, I wonder because you saw Freddie Kitchens and Mike, and Mike Zimmer. Excuse me, not Freddie Kitchens. Kevin Stefanski and Mike Zimmer last year with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. They would relieve Dalvin Cook. Like they wanted to make sure Cook, who's been injury prone, didn't get above a certain number of carries. I just wonder how much of that we might see from Stefanski with a new team when he has Kareem Hunt on the roster as well. Like, and that would prohibit Chubb from getting into that top three if they decide to split carries or utilize Hunt more in the passing game, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's, yeah, but, but then you have to, but then you have to factor in the off the field issues with Kareem Hunt. Sure. Um, and, you know, unlike Mixon, Kareem Hunt has not been the model citizen for the past few seasons. So uh, you're always going to have that factor going forward for Kareem Hunt that says, hey, is he going to end up being a victim of an NFL suspension or some type of NFL probe that's going to be distracting to what he's doing mentally or trying to do mentally on the field? And that's going to have to be a variable that Stefanski um, competes with going forward. So I think that you know, in a situation that you're describing, if he was looking, he being Stefanski, if he was looking to uh, pitch count uh, Nick Chubb, then it's going to be difficult for Chubb to crack into that top three, even though talent wise, he definitely could be in that conversation. Um, but when it comes to Kareem Hunt, I mean, he, he was barely retained this offseason, barely retained. I mean, obviously he's on the tender, you know, sign the tender, um, but he also had some offseason issues this, you know, in 2020 as well. Uh, so, you just don't know what you're going to get with Kareem Hunt. So you can't really project um, justifiably that he's going to be there for the full 16-game slate in a capacity that's going to allow Stefanski to scale back on Chubb. Theoretically, it, it's definitely a possibility. But realistically speaking, looking at the 
Um, the career of Kareem Hunt, the arc is not trending upwards. It's trending in the opposite direction that it should be. So I, I think that Chubb's still going to be that bell cow back eventually, even if Stefanski experiments with the pitch count in the first few weeks or so. I think eventually Chubb is just going to be so dominant and Kareem Hunt might have another issue or two, or he might just simply not be as focused. We've seen that from Kareem Hunt uh, in his time in the NFL. And, you know, they're just going to lean heavily on Chubb and, and he's going to make, he's going to do what to do, baby. He's his uh, his over under on uh, on an offshore is a uh, thirteen hundred rushing yards. I think it's a monster. Uh, yeah, it's the highest I can find. I don't see what he is to lead the league in rushing. Uh, if you can find that, I would take Nick Chubb to to lead. Chubb can absolutely, and, and you can mark me down for this. If they don't pitch count Chubb and they uh, allow him to do what he yeah. does, uh, and if Baker Mayfield is not you know operating at a Pro Bowl tilt in twenty twenty. Put me down for Nick Chubb at 1,700, 1,800 yards from scrimmage. Like, I, I think that he's going to tap dance around that 2,000 yard from scrimmage mark. And that, that's when we really start asking ourselves, Hey, is this, is this guy right there with Christian McCaffrey? And I think that he can be. Okay. Uh, and Christian McCaffrey, number one on the list, no surprise. Number two, Zeke Elliott. Number three, Saquon Barkley. I think that that is how it would, I think that is, I don't know if, I think Saquon might be two and I Zeke. No, I'm just, I'm saying, if they, I'm saying if you polled a thousand people, a thousand most, random most people, most will say fans, Barkley, yeah. Most will say Barkley is number two. I think people would have Barkley too, but it's very close. Like Zeke has been awesome. And look, you're objective and subjectively. You got, uh, Zeke, Zeke Elliott. Well, and, and I will say, I, I can honestly say this, the, the two and three, the order in which they were slotted in my rankings is 100% objective. And, and here's my stance on that. Um, from a pure, uh, pure talent standpoint, I could argue that Barkley is slightly better. And, and when I say slightly better, I lean on the word slightly. Um, because Ezekiel Elliott, we've seen that he can, he can be a, a threat out of the backfield as a receiver, just as he is, you know, out of the backfield as a, as a runner. Um, but body of work. Okay. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, for those that are saying that he took a step back in 2019, my question is where? Where did he take a step back? A, a Cowboys offense that instantly became. I mean, statistically, he did take a step league. back, but like to overall what? value, yards, overall impact. Yeah, like, and I said, I noted that in the article. If thirteen hundred yards rushing is a step back, out how far ahead of the curve was he <laughs> initially in order for us to view that as a step back? Now you compare that to Saquon Barkley and to Barkley's credit, he's playing for a, a poor Giants team that's still trying to figure some things out. And now here we are uh, in 2019, they switched over from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones fired out of the gate before floundering. Um, and I say floundering not to say that his career is over, but floundering in that rookie learning curve, middle of, you know, early to middle of the season. I think Daniel Jones is going to be a, a solid to more than solid quarterback for the New York Giants, but he had the rookie growing pains. Saquon Barkley still delivered much in the same way uh, that Nick Chubb delivered for uh, the Browns in a situation where their young quarterback and Baker Mayfield were struggling, similar to how Fournette was delivering when Minshew began struggling. I know that's your guy, mustache, macho man. <laughs> um, but, you know, much in the same way those guys were delivering for their teams, you have a guy like Saquon Barkley who was delivering as well. So, obviously, Barkley's still Barkley. He's an animal. He can deliver 2,000 yards from scrimmage, rolling out of bed without even stretching. Um, I don't think, though, that apples to apples – that Barkley is better than Zeke. But again, we are talking about the, the thin or the thickness of a mole hair between the two. Ew. Yeah. It, hey, you know, <laughs> which reminds me of that old Seinfeld episode. Where that, that's a similar the, 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 the mole, yeah, yeah. The mole hair. <laughs> or, uh, mole hair. or the Austin Powers mole. Mole, mole, But yeah, I, I'm, I'm still taking Ezekiel Elliott um, over Saquon Barkley uh, by, by a thin margin. And I think that margin goes to resume. Uh, two-time NFL rushing champ, uh, you know, all pro, obviously, pro bowler, almost perennially at this point. And now he's operating under an offense that is pass first under Kellen Moore's new offense that saw Dak Prescott uh, almost take 5,000 yards passing 
um, 30 touchdowns, obviously, and he still wrecked up 1,300 rushing yards, still got his yards as a receiver. Here comes Mike McCarthy, who's going to install some West Coast attributes to Kellen Moore's offense. That's going to, by default, give Ezekiel Elliott more of those targets as, you know, screen and bubble passes out of the backfield. So you might see a little bit of a, a downturn, a little bit of a downturn from the rushing aspect, but I think that slides over to adding to his receiving yards. I don't think he takes a step back overall, so I still think he's the second best running back in, in the entire league. I think one of the things that people don't mention enough with uh, with Zeke is that dude doesn't miss time. And, like, he's sure led the league in rushing twice and led the league in rushing yards twice, led the league in r- yards per game three times. Um, he has over 300 carries three out of his four years. And really the only time he's ever missed time is because the Cowboys sat him at the end of the year because that BS suspension that – and by BS, I mean that, like, Roger Goodell – it was going yeah, to it was BS. Court. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to. I'm not. I'm not saying BS off the field stuff. I'm saying BS that the way the DNFL handled it with. The, I'm, I'm saying BS because it was an unsubstantiated suspension. But that's it, a story it, for another it, day. At any rate, he missed. His game. <laughs> that's the only time he's ever missed time. That right. to like to sit out because the Cowboys season they either clinch the playoffs or I think both years they clinch the playoffs right in right. Uh, in in weeks in week seventeen. Right. He doesn't miss games. Like and, he, and, they feed him, and he and doesn't miss games. Point. And we even saw the last two years, like his receiving has gone way up, 77 and 54 catches, uh, led the league in touches two years ago, and he just produces. So I, there is something to be said for the idea that, like, if you roll you roll Zeke out and he's going to give you 300 carries and, like, 1,300 yards, bare minimum. At the most punishing position on the field. Uh, sure. And we're talking about Saquon Barkley. He's Saquon a great Barkley. pass blocker, too. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, you, you saw what happened uh, when he was taken off of the field, whether it be because the Cowboys had clinched, uh, you know, a playoff spot or because, you know, uh, of suspension in 2017. The Cowboys know what they have in him. Um, you look at Saquon Barkley, and Saquon Barkley is an absolute animal, but now we're talking about durability. Guess what? He just battled a high ankle sprain. He missed some games. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott battled some some lower body injuries over the back end of last season, didn't miss a single game. Uh, the Cowboys rode him heavily in December of 2018. I even pinned a column about this. They were dangerously close to running him into the ground and not having him for the playoffs. And I can tell you, based on conversations I, I had at that time, um, both with team personnel and with non-team personnel, there was a very real concern with some of the injuries that Ezekiel Elliott was battling in 2018. In December of 2018, some ankle issues uh, simply because of the workload, but he still did not miss a single game. He still was as competitive as ever still was producing this is a guy who wants to be on the field uh, not to say the others don't but it doesn't matter what he's feeling doesn't matter what kind of pain he's going through he's putting the helmet on and he's going out there and uh, he's making some things happen so until further notice you know as close as it might be Ezekiel Elliott is edging out Saquon Barkley all right and then uh, CMC at number one I I, uh, I think you I think you make a case that in 2020 he won't be the best running back, but I mean, his 2019 was ridiculous. He led the league in yards from scrimmage. Wait, no, I'm looking at Saquon Barkley. I was like, what? That's not right. <laughs> Chris McCaffrey led the league in yards from scrimmage last year. Uh, I was like, 2018, he only had 1,400 yards. Uh, he had 20, almost 2,400 yards, 400 plus touches last season, 19 touchdowns, and still not 300 carries. I, I, it's crazy. I mean, I give the, I give the Panthers credit because they've done a good job of limiting over his first three years, his number of carries and football outsiders has done a study that shows that carries are infinitely more damaging to a running back's body than touches per se. And so like if you can have, if you lead the league in touches, but you have 116 catches, that's a lot less wear and tear than grinding through the, through the tackles. Although McCaffrey can obviously do that 15 rushing touchdowns. He was a beast at the goal line. I mean, he, he's a, they, they gave him a bunch of money. He's only 23. He's a special player. I, I I don't think anybody in the world would argue with him at number one. I, and I don't think that you could um, argue that he won't replicate his success from 2019 to 2020 um, outside of saying 
Well, they've got Teddy Bridgewater and a healthy Teddy Bridgewater is going to be more mobile by default than an injured Cam Newton. And then ultimately, you know, a rookie coming in trying to figure out or even the second year guy trying to come in and figure out how to win games for the Panthers, leaving the Panthers to just rely solely for the most part on McCaffrey. I don't think that they're going to solely rely on McCaffrey 2020, which goes to your point. And so you might see a slight step back in his production, but that step back in production is definitely not going to be uh, something that can be spun into a narrative of, oh, you know, CMC got his money, so he's, you know, he's right. relaxing or he's not necessarily that guy. He's still very much going to be that guy. But if the Panthers do scale him back because uh, Teddy Bridgewater is, again, in the form that he was when he was first drafted by the Vikings and he showed himself to be a dynamic starter when healthy and given the chance, uh, then, yeah, you're going to see some scale back. But McCaffrey is still a 1,000-yard receiver. So well, I, still, still, I, don't, I don't know, like, who who the scale – like, we talked about it with um, – like, Who, who are their like, other was, weapons? Was, well, for, for, like, Chubb, you have Kareem Hunt. And for right. Zeke, you have Tony Pollard. Like, yeah, what where are you going to go? With? Reggie Bonifan? <laughs> Jordan Stewart? Right. What are you going to do? Right? Yeah. And, and their passing attack, you know, you can't really look at the Panthers' passing attack and say that it's it's fixed. You know, I mean no. – you... <laughs> I think it's right. fine, so, but it's not like it's not elite. Like they're not going to just throw right. them all. And, and we're talking right. So if you're talking about someone like like Nick Chubb, okay. So if Baker Mayfield gets to a Pro Bowl level uh, under Stefanski, you're talking about OBJ. You're talking about you know uh, a Landry, uh, Jarvis Landry. So and so forth and so on. So yes, the Browns with a producing Mayfield have a lethal passing attack. Right. Look at Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas, right? Dak Prescott, now they got CeeDee Lamb. You got Michael Gallup. You go and you lock up Amari Cooper. Uh, and then, of course, if Blake Jarwin is what I believe he is, which can be the playmaker that should have succeeded Jason Witten as early as last season, again, a lethal passing attack. You don't see that in Carolina. Right. So, you know, I think that obviously Teddy Bridgewater is, is going to be uh, good for them. Um, but I don't know that he has the weapons outside of, I mean, you got DJ Moore, but do you have a compliment for DJ Moore? Whose name is not Christian McCaffrey? I, mm-hmm. I, I don't see it there. Uh, they're still trying to figure out or the tight end situation. Yeah. They're trying to figure out the, the post Greg Olson, um, situation at tight end, right? So that you still got some questions as a passing offense. So I think that, you know, Bridgewater being there gives them a chance to lean less heavily on McCaffrey, which will be good for him in the long run. But not to, you look at that offense, they don't have a, a structure where you could say, oh, well, it's a full point conclusion. Like some, like, not going to get 2,000. passing attack yeah. in Carolina. Uh, yeah, let, let's mean, say he, if he doesn't get 1,000 and 1,000 again in 2020, maybe he gets 1,000 and, and 900. What are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're going to, they paid him. They're going to lean on him. Like, they're not going to, yeah. like, you're not yeah. trying to, like, save his wear and tear. Now, you're going to lean on right. him the way, you know, the way the yeah. Rams did. With Todd Gurley back in the day, so we'll see yeah, how that Or like up. the Browns might end up doing with Chubb, sure, exactly. because I think it's a foregone conclusion that you know Chubb is going to be the franchise back for uh, for the Browns, okay. and yeah, so yeah, McCaffrey has his money, and the Panthers are going to want every penny of the, those those first those first, all the first four guys: Henry, Barkley, Elliott, McCaffrey on your list are going to get a crap ton of carries in, in twenty twenty. Yes, all right. Uh, tomorrow, top ten wide receivers with Jared Dubin, I think. Steven is, uh, is he ghosting us, Steve? Did I forget to reach out to him? Chatting with him. It's just a run of podcasts all on Tuesday. So if everybody sees Will wearing the same shirt, that is why. <laughs> or it's because I'm not showering and I'm not changing shirts. Yeah, I was Allegedly. giving you the benefit of the doubt, but that's cool. Or because, because he got changed? locked out of his change? office by a six year old and he didn't have time to change shirts. That's true. That, that actually, that actually happened. My son locked me out of the office and <laughs> lethally told me and then, and then got down the car with my wife and did a little camp thing. Uh, all right. Patrick Walker at Voice of the Star on Twitter. Read him at CBSSports.com. Of course, check out the top 10 list. Uh, it is in the episode description. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me, Will.